This episode presented by International Director of St John's Mission Partners Prison Fellowship, Andy Corley. The reading today is from Luke 4, 14 to 21, and I'm reading from the NIV version. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, He went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I normally get five minutes into what I have to say and go off piste. And I'm going off piste straight away this morning because one of the things that I loved as I walked into St. John's was I saw who, you, who your ministry partners were. And I'm so thrilled that you are firmly behind organizations like SIL and Wycliffe Bible Translators. Let me tell you why. I was given some advice as when I took up the role as a CEO of Prison Fellowship International, which was this, Andy, don't be seen as being the prisons guy, be seen as being a kingdom guy. And one of the things that my wife and I are deeply involved in is a movement that is going on at the moment with the Bible translators. Because what is happening is that technology and collaboration between the Bible translators of the world, Wycliffe, American Bible Society, United Bible Societies, Biblica, They've all decided to collaborate because, you know, there's a billion people on our planet without access to God's word at all in their heart language. So they've come together to do something about it. And there's a major movement of donors getting behind it. Millions and millions of dollars being poured into this collaboration. It really is amazing. Now, why am I so keen on that? as a kind of part-time thing that my wife and I are involved in. Well, Prison Fellowship International is a downstream beneficiary. First of all, I believe that our ministry is deeply rooted in Scripture, as we've just heard. I I spent 30 years as a businessman working in global multinationals and then finally uh, owning my own company, um, along with a couple of other people. And we were really blessed in that company to be able to do a couple of things. One was to be generous, and the second was to employ prisoners. And so one of the things that I began to understand was the journey of a prisoner. And as a result of that, I 
ended up being on the board of Prison Fellowship International, and that's led to where I am today. Now, of course, I, I'd been involved for many years in evangelism. I'd been involved in work with the poor, and I'd never thought about the prisoner. And so when I got involved with Prison Fellowship International, I asked myself, why? God, why, why is this so close to your heart? And that led me on a really interesting journey. And here's what I understood. I was given advice as a business person. Never miss your opener. Never miss your opener. And Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't miss his opener. The first time he announces his kingdom agenda is in the synagogue in Nazareth. Now, I want you to think about this. The scroll, they found a scroll of the prophet Isaiah in the caves at Qumran. We call them the Dead Sea Scrolls. You'll have heard of them. Did you know the scroll is 20 feet long and a foot high? It's a big bit of kit. It's not a small Bible like this. Of course, it didn't exist because the New Testament didn't exist at that time. But the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, 20 feet long and a foot high. So Jesus is very, very deliberate. He unrolls the scroll and he chooses what passage he's going to announce his earthly ministry and his kingdom agenda. And arguably in that passage, the prisoner is mentioned twice. Really interesting. Now, I want you to skip forward to the end of Jesus' life or just before he's about to be crucified. And we have an account in Matthew 25. So it's bookending of Jesus' ministry. And Jesus says this. He talks about groups of people that the church that is coming needs to be involved in. Entirely tracking with what the Old Testament prophets have predicted for a long time. And he talks about feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, and what else? When I was in prison, think about these words. When I was in prison, you came to me. That's an extraordinary thing to say. And the longer that I contemplate that, the more I find it deeply mysterious. Deeply mysterious. In Psalm 68, the psalmist talks about something that is very close to God's heart. And he expresses it like this. He says, God in his holy habitation. Now, the Andy Corley translation of that is God when he is at home. I don't know what you're like when you're at home, but I'm, I'm a little different. You know, I feel the liberty to dance to whatever 1980s rock music I can remember. And, you know, I don't have to put on a shirt unless my wife tells me. There's all sorts of things that I do at home that are because of who I am. I feel very comfortable in my own home. God in his holy habitation is father to the fatherless. Defender of the widows. He places the lonely in families. He leads the prisoner to prosperity. This mission, and thank you so much for all that you do here at St. John's in partnering with us. This mission tracks so closely with the heart of God. Because God is in the business of transforming our lives. And it seems to me, traveling globally, that he really doesn't matter where that, it really doesn't matter to him where that journey starts. 
In fact, as Jesus reminded us, sometimes the places that that starts is actually in places of great darkness. I want to encourage you, boy, when, a, when the light of God's word and men and women go into prison and incarnationally and relationally meet those that are inside, it transforms their lives. We've heard from a couple just this weekend about how much they appreciated the ministry of Prison Fellowship Australia and the amazing volunteers that carry that ministry out. But the impact that that has had on their lives is immense. Now, I think we're into something, along with many other ministries. Remember, I'm speaking as the CEO of Prison Fellowship International, but I'm a kingdom guy. God bless anybody who is feeding the hungry. God bless anybody who is clothing the naked. We're just seeing one small aspect of the character of God in our work and seeking to be obedient to him in that. However, imagine the ripple effects that that is going to have. Because, you know, crime is our problem. It comes out of deep injustices within society. This is not sugarcoating the fact that terrible decisions are often being, being made. I'm not trying to make this out to be something that it isn't. People make terrible decisions and they harm each other in dreadful, dreadful ways. And there needs to be consequences to that. But you know, very often crime comes out of difficult situations. I understand that here in, in Australia, a child who has a parent that's incarcerated is six times more likely to end up in prison. That's a scandal. It's not the child's fault. We saw it on the video. So, the kinds of things that we're involved in track really, really closely, I believe, with the heart of God, because this is an issue of justice. But most importantly, as well, it's an issue of grace, because that's the one thing out of the Matthew 25 community that I think speaks to us so closely and so deeply about who God is. When I generally talk about those communities that uh, Jesus encourages to serve, the hungry, the sick, um, I think most normal people, when they come across a person who is needing clothes, would go, yeah, that's, that's the right response. Anybody would do that. When somebody is hungry, the right response is to feed them. But when it comes to the prisoner, it gets at us. Because what the prisoner speaks to us is of a part of the character of God, which is who he is. Deep, deep, undeserved mercy and grace. And we need to hear that. We need to hear that aspect of the character of God. Remember, there will be people here, I've no doubt, who will have been affected by crime. There will be people here who will have been damaged. I understand that completely. I am not sugarcoating it. But God is a God of grace. He's a God of grace. And this is one of the areas that we get to work alongside him in his desire to lead all, including me, to prosperity. God is very good. 
this is where it gets really quite awkward because I've gone off piece now and I've no idea where, where I would go from here. But let me, um, let me just bring this down a little bit further and think about the Lord's Prayer. Deep down, I think most of us as followers of Christ and lovers of God, we, we yearn for just societies, right? We learn for we yearn for societies that are uh, more just, more compassionate, more caring, uh, more loving, and that's right. That's what the scriptures tell us about. That's who Jesus came to liberate us into that place. If you like, um, just think of the Lord's Prayer: Our Father in heaven. Holy is your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours forever and forever. Amen. Your kingdom come. We get to carry out our work in Prison Fellowship Australia and in Prison Fellowship International at a place of deep darkness. Deep, deep darkness. Our prisons are full of failure. It's where society's worst um, effects often gather. But imagine the light of God's word in that situation, it shines like a glorious torch, like a glorious torch amidst the darkness. Not only that, but the care and the love of having somebody there who cares about you for no other reason than you're created in God's image and that you are worth it. That speaks volumes to those that we care for. So I'm deeply grateful for St. John's. I'm deeply grateful for your partnership with us. It means a lot. We can't do the work that we do, I, I don't believe. We can't do it online. I'm not saying anything against online ministry, by the way. I'm just saying ours is a ministry that when I was in prison, you came to me. You came to me. Something, and, and if you talk to any of our volunteers, I believe that they're the happiest people in the world. Because when we enter into the prisons, we come out just, boy, that was an amazing thing to have been a privilege to be able to do. We don't take Jesus into the prisons. We're following him in. He's already there and at work. I'd like to give you just a couple of examples of what that looks like. So I see that, uh, Tim, you're, you're part of Langham um, Partnership, which is a teaching ministry. But Langham Place, also as Langham Place, is a church, an Anglican church in London. It's where John Stott was. We have a collaboration with All Souls Langham Place, which is called The Prisoner's Journey. It's an eight-week self-discovery course answering three questions. Who is Jesus? Why did he come? What does that mean for me? 
speaks the prisoner's language. It's introduced and bookended by a really bricked Maori called Tui Isaacs. And it's just a really compelling um, structured course that is delivered by volunteers, but really enables men and women to go back to their cells. And the one thing that they all have is time. Time. So this structured course, since we rolled it out eight years ago, has reached 590,000 men and women in prisons around the world. Here's the kicker. Globally, because we gather this data, we're a very data-driven organization. I don't refer to us as being a charity or a not-for-profit organization. We are a faith-based for-impact organization. Of those 590,000 men and women that have graduated that course, 80% of them request further discipleship. I think that's extraordinary. Now, part of the reason for that, I have no doubt, is that when men and women are imprisoned, they are at the lowest point of their lives. You can't get any lower than prison. You are there because, generally speaking, because you have committed a crime. And now you need to reconcile with that. But as we heard yesterday from several of the people who spoke at the 40th anniversary, you know, they... Um, even it, with the people that I spoke about, spoke to yesterday, um, they, they carry the weight of what they've done for the rest of their lives. I could just see, um, I, I met the young lady who actually was on the video. I sat next to her at dinner. And you know, um, beautiful lady, great story great articulator of the situation that she had been in, but deeply wounded still. Long way to go. Would you agree, Glenn? So these are people that are created in the image of God, and they're the, these are the men and women that we feel very called to because they pull out of us um, a number of things. Most of all, as followers of Jesus, I believe in that process of loving them, caring for them, ministering to them. We also discover what it is to be truly human, truly followers of Jesus. So I'm going to wrap it up there and just say a huge thank you to you for all that you are doing, for all that you're doing and enabling us to go. We exist as a parachurch organization. We exist to bring the barriers of prisons down. The barriers are there for very good reason. But we're there to enable good folk like you either to pray or to send or to go yourselves to a population of people that is just ripe and ready. Tim asked a very good question earlier on about post-COVID. I can tell you, we cannot keep up on a global basis with the doors that are opening in front of us because our prison systems are broken. Nobody has got this cracked, or hardly anybody. And in the places that I travel to, immense opportunity to work and to help and to, to enable men and women 
to see themselves as being created in the image of God. The doors are wide open, overlaid with a post-pandemic mental health crisis that mean that literally around the world, prison governors and people in the ministry, in ministries of justice, who I get the, the privilege of speaking to from time to time, are saying, boy, we've missed you guys. Come on back in, help us. It's even happening here in Australia. You can talk to Glenn a little bit more about that. So thank you. We cannot do our work without you. It's as simple as that. We're really grateful. God bless you. I pray you'll continue to support us. But more than, more than anything, I, I would ask you to pray for us. Pray for us with this remarkable open door that is in front of us. Pray for us to be really true ambassadors for a God who leads the prisoner to prosperity. Thank you. It's been a privilege to talk to you. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.